Today, we've got Janelle back, who's sold over $100 million on Amazon. And make sure to stay to the end of this one because she's gonna talk about a lot of things, including a $150,000 Kickstarter launch and a Shopify launch that got her half a million dollars in pre-sales. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey guys, heads up. Kevin King is the new host of the AMPM podcast. So if you love Amazon strategy, make sure to subscribe to it. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, take a listen to AM slash PM podcast just by searching for it on that platform. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. Janelle, it's great to have you back on the podcast. How's it going? Super good. It's good to be here with you, Bradley, world traveler. It's nice when you're home long enough to do a podcast episode with me. Uh, well, hey, it's. I mean, even if I was traveling, like I would have recorded this because you are one of our priority guests here. Uh, like the, the information you bring whenever you're on the podcast. I actually, you were just recently on the AMPM uh, podcast, but I purposely didn't listen uh, to that one because I was like, I, there might be something that's spoiled, uh, spoiled for me. But we're not going to go too much into Janelle's backstory, guys. I'm going to give you the number really quick where she was at. It is episode here. It is episode two ninety four. So if you whatever you're listening to this on, guys, if you want to get Janelle's super interesting backstory, um, check out episode two ninety four. I'm not. I think this link might work, uh, but you can try h ten dot me forward slash two nine four two for a, a quick kind of look into Janelle's life, but you know, she, she's from Utah and she was, um, in a company that you actually did before, if I'm not mistaken, like over a hundred million dollars of sales, like what you were kind of responsible for in that company. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's the now truth. you are not current. Like, like did that company get sold or you moved on to new endeavors or catch me yeah. up a, a little bit in the last so year? What happened there? We were going public in July and literally the night before everyone was flying out to New York. In fact, I think the executive team had already landed. We were all excited. And that was when I was exiting. I had made it well known when, when we went public, I would be exiting. I've been building the team for that to happen. The next morning we found out that it was called off. And never an explanation oh, wow. of why it didn't go public. I mean, we all have our theories. Um, and so, yeah, I've spent another few months there. And then it was kind of like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm not a corporate girl. I've been saying mm -hmm. that forever. I, I joined this private equity group to help them grow their Amazon um, and their D2C efforts. And it was a huge success. And I was super excited for the exit. It's kind of anticlimactic because it didn't end up happening. Um, and then it was just, we agreed that I could keep my, uh, I guess, equity in the company and go and pursue my passions, which is, you know, my own stuff that I'm doing, launching and selling brands back to being like a full-time entrepreneur, which has been phenomenal. And yet I still get hopefully the upside when they, I mean, the goal I think still is they will go public or they will, you know, sell or do something. So mm -hmm. hopefully. Okay. Well, that's. That's yeah, that's kind of quite a story. <laughs> the night before, that's that's quite of a, really a quite sad. a change. It was like um, that's why I always tell people don't don't count your eggs before they hatch, kind of thing. Right? Because, yeah, you know, we were all really excited and celebrating, and then it was like, oh, what? So, 
Now, one thing I've been wanting to talk to you about for months when I, I swear I saw a message from you on LinkedIn or Facebook or something where you had like a crazy Kickstarter launch uh, yeah. this year or last year or something like that on one of your products. Am I, is that, was that you? Please tell me yeah. that was you and I'm not yeah, confusing that was you with somebody. This year. Yep. We did. I did my first Kickstarter. I've been wanting to do one. You know, you hear all these awesome stories about Kickstarter and funding. And I was like, yeah, I, I got to do one of those. So it was awesome. My goal was to do six figures. Cause that's something that like less than 1% of the people who do a Kickstarter hit. And I didn't know what to expect And the product that we are launching was a motorcycle detailer. It's called the fast detailer and one moto. You can go to Kickstarter and still see it there. It's now obviously being sold on our Shopify site. And we just barely launched on Amazon, uh, almost like what, two weeks ago. So that's been fun and it's doing awesome. Uh, but anyhow, well, can, can, can you take it back a little bit? Like yeah. what gave you the idea to do that? Or was it like, Hey, I know this is not something that there's necessarily demand for. That's why I need to start on Kickstarter. Or was it a matter of, you know what? I don't want to have to fund this. Like, like what was the, even the, the thought process that brought you to Kickstarter? Totally. Okay. So, so actually it was a billion dollar seller summit with Kevin King. He had a, one of the guest speakers there was talking about Kickstarter and how he uses it to fund all of his product launches. And I thought, hmm. Huh, that's kind of a good idea. I knew nothing about Kickstarter, but he talked about the algorithm on Kickstarter, which obviously makes sense to you and I and any of these sellers out here that follow us because Amazon's algorithm, we learn how to like game it and how to give it what it wants or tickle the underbelly of the A9 algorithm, as some would say. And the, it was like, oh my gosh, no, duh. I never, I never. <laughs> I got to remember that phrase. <laughs> Tickle the belly of the A9 algorithm. I love it. Yes, I think I stole that from like Ben Cummings, a fast tracker, you know, a long time ago. So I can't take credit for it, but I always like that. But anyhow, I was like, you know what? Like on Kickstarter, this idea that there was this underlying algorithm that if I just basically caught the trending page, then I could blow up and catch all the organic traffic. It just made sense. I was like, well, mm. no, duh. Like I can win this game. And so I knew that I had an audience with my partner, Sean. He's uh, got a channel called Bikes and Beards. If you're into motorcycles, like you will know the channel. It's like the biggest motorcycle channel. It's rad. And I love motorcycles. So, you know, I can get into the backstory and how we created the product, but I'll just start with the idea with Kickstarter. When I heard that, a light bulb went off and I thought, I can take my traffic that I have from my audience. I can drive them to Kickstarter. And if I hit that trending page, there are a bunch of, you know, just like, people who live on Kickstarter, they live on these crowds, uh, sourcing platforms and they're always just there trying mm -hmm. to see what's new. And I thought, wow, I could see let's maybe hope for a 10 or 20 or 30% lift. I didn't know what to expect because I'd never done a Kickstarter, but that's what I wanted to yeah. figure out. How viable was this method? Cause you hear people talking about it all the time. Oh, you hit trending page. You're going to go viral, blah, blah, blah. I can okay. tell you today that the trending page and is not, it doesn't do like a 10% lift. That's it. Mm -hmm. Like for the 5% in fees that you're going to give Kickstarter. And I can now tell you having to fulfill, we just finished fulfillment for all of it. It was a major pain in the backside mm. to fulfill. Like they didn't collect addresses for all the backers. And I had over 3000 backers. And so imagine trying to collect missing addresses for over 700 people. I mean, I'm wow. like, like what a clunky platform. You would think you would not allow someone to check out and pay for your backer or, you know, become a backer without putting in their mailing address, just little things like that. Then like people won as one of their rewards, a t-shirt and they didn't collect all the shirt sizes. So I had to have like higher VAs to sit and email people. And, you know, we still had like 144 people we never heard back from. And so even now, like, I mean, this morning I had two people like, Oh, here's my address. And it's like, dude, such a joke. So 
the fulfillment has cost me over $35,000 just, you know, with going the back and forth with the warehouse. And I I honestly, now that Shopify allows for pre-sales, Shopify didn't used to allow for pre-sale. They um, would shut down your store if you collected payments and didn't deliver your goods within a reasonable time. Now they allow pre-sale. I absolutely would never use Kickstarter again. Now, let me ask you though, is it because, uh, I mean, like you, now, now with that in hindsight, like, did you learn something that maybe you wouldn't have had such a bad experience or you, you don't think even under the best scenario that it, it's probably not the best way to go at all? Yeah. Yeah. Like I told them, like they, they reached out to me because, you know, when you do six figures on their platform, you're kind of anomaly. And so they like want feedback and they asked me about my experience. And I frankly told them, I was like, your platform stinks. Like the fact that <laughs> you would allow people to make a pledge that are buying physical product and not require an address to be entered. That's yeah. just like, that's just terrible. And um, then they have at the end, you have like a backer survey where you can actually send questionnaires and have people like if they purchase t-shirts, get their sizes. And it just, you know, some people even told me the backers, they're like, I gave Kickstarter that information. So they must mm. have glitches like Amazon does, you know, and maybe it only happened on my campaign, but I have heard that it's just as bad for other people too. But, you know, the fact that I didn't get shirt sizes, that, it was just a really big hassle. I, I think had I seen a 20 or 25% lift when I hit trending, and I'll tell you, we hit trending in 15 minutes. We funded in 15 minutes. So like I would have expected like a huge organic surge. I just don't think there's that much organic traffic on there. And I did tell Kevin, I said, you know, maybe it's because we're in a category, we were motorcycle fast detailer. And if you are on Kickstarter, it is a lot trending towards like tech and um, games and like anime crap. You know what I mean? Mm, So I was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe if you're in that category, maybe you would have a different experience. So when I say I'll never do it again, maybe if I am working with like the chef PK, he has like an anime bento box that we would launch. And I'm like, okay, anime does do it. Which, which anime, I mean, as you can see from my background here, I have, uh, I'm an anime anime. freak of myself. Do you know what, 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 what one you're going to do? Are you, are you getting like one license or just like, you're just making your own anime character or something? You know what? That's a really good question. Um, I have to ask chef PK. He's the guy doing it. He's got a big YouTube channel following like where he cooks and like is into anime. So like, yeah, like as you can tell, I know nothing about anime besides. No, I've no got worries. Anime. Hey, I, I knew nothing about coffin shelves, and now I've sold thousands of coffin shelves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, so um, you did say you did over a hundred uh, six figures. What was the yeah. total amount that you brought in uh, from that Kickstarter? One hundred forty-one thousand, like two hundred forty or something like that. And then, like after Kickstarter withheld their funds, I think my wire was like one twenty-one. You know what I mean? Okay. So they. They have their 5% wow. and then their credit card fee. So it ends up being about 8%, but you would pay those 3% credit card fees on your own platform. So I just figured that's a wash. So is, is there anything like, like to me, I'm not sure, you know, maybe you can tell me, but to me, the biggest issue with what you went through is probably that address thing, because I know it's a hassle to, you know, I used to, I mean, I still do fulfill. I still do fulfill by merchant even on Amazon for, for some yeah. things. And, and I do eBay and I, and I do Etsy where I'm fulfilling. And like, that is a problem. Like when they don't have the right address or you can't yeah. even verify and stuff. Is there any way around that where you can like lock it in more? Did did they say yeah. like the address? Um, okay, so what would be your advice? And somebody's like, you know what? Maybe yeah. I do want to do a Kickstarter, but I don't want to go through that. Yeah, 
So because of this pain, I was looking, because I had set up an affiliate program that was part of our launch strategy. And I recommend the app Kickbooster because that's what I, I learned from someone tipped me off to Kickbooster. And Kickbooster like allows you kind of like a refersion if anyone is used to that on or referral candy on Shopify. Very similar. You can have affiliate codes. You can drive more traffic to your Kickstarter. They, for an extra like 50 bucks, which I did not pay for because I didn't know I would need that. But now I realize why they probably developed this is you can have additional surveys that go out to everyone on the backer list through Kickbooster. And now I see why that would be actually a necessity mm. because instead of me trying to email people or have a VA, you know, pigeon peck into everyone's emails or texts and stuff, yeah. you could just send out another additional backer, you know, email to people when you can only do one with Kickstarter, you get one like, Hey, everyone fill out your survey. You could keep reaching out with Kickbooster and automate it. Okay. Now who, you know, let's say somebody does look more into details and, and gets a lot of the issues that, that others have, you know, fixed. What is the ideal Amazon seller out there who you would recommend like, or like, you know, where Kickstarter might, maybe not you would recommend, but like where it could be beneficial. Are we talking yeah. like a, maybe never a brand new seller or yeah, only a seller so. established with an established brand and trying to expand or like what, what's the persona yeah. of somebody who you think it would be for? I think the persona has to be someone that has an audience because like, I don't see why you would go to Kickstarter and give them 5% of your funding. If because they don't have organic, I learned they don't have a ton of organic traffic there. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to get eyeballs. It's like if you went and listed on Amazon without having gone through Helium 10's like, you know, course trainings and um, Kevin King's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you would never be discovered. So you would mm -hmm. go put your project together. Like the people who do well on Kickstarter, they literally have agencies and they spend 30 to a hundred thousand dollars in marketing with their agency, driving traffic to Kickstarter to try to hit trending. I knew I could, get away with not having that because I had an audience yeah. and I was going to send the traffic yeah. there and, and get the same effect. So I feel like anyone advising someone to go to Kickstarter to like get their product off the ground, you better be telling them they better have like a $30,000 marketing budget to drive the traffic there to use Kickstarter. And then I say, I, I wouldn't do that. I would drive them to my Shopify page or a ClickFunnels page where I could control the experience because mm -hmm. you can only create your landing page within Kickstarter and it's very limited to what you can do. Whereas if I'm going to drive them to, you know, like my ClickFunnels page or a Shopify or lead pages, I have so much more freedom and flexibility. I, I wouldn't drive traffic to someone else's platform. I just wouldn't. Okay. All right. Good. Good, good to know. Now, I, I know you, you got back into kind of like the you know, like you said, your roots and, you know, helping other sellers. I know you do a little bit too. So what, you know, sometimes when you're working just for one company and one brand and something, you get maybe in a rut or like, Hey, you're only presented with a certain level of things that, that you learn about because it, it's only in the supplements or it's only in, you know, a certain category. But when you're working with other sellers, maybe, you know, you, you get all kinds of crazy things that's happening. What's some of the things that you've learned in the last year or some of the things you have to pivot with or, or something that you think could be beneficial for, for people out there to, to, to hear about. Yeah. Like honestly on Amazon, I feel like the victory is made in the ad game. Like, I mean, almost everyone knows, obviously I'm going to assume everyone knows they got to have a great listing keyword research and do all that jazz. You know, your, your bullets, your title, it's all optimized and your images are beautiful and glorious. And you have obviously a good product. I feel like you know, 10 years ago when I was teaching Amazon, that was like 
the stuff we focused on because not everyone was doing it. it was an easy layup. If you did that, you really stood out. But now like everybody understands that they're doing that. And so really where I see the advantage coming is those who understand how to use ads effectively and they know their numbers. Like, I mean, we are so dialed with like our acquisition cost and with, you know, our PPC that we, I can just even tell when I sit down and I consult with sellers and I look at like their ads and like how they're reporting and looking at it daily. Like most people don't even know at a skew level what's going on with their advertising yeah, and their yeah. conversion and their lift. It's just like, they don't know those numbers. And so to me, that's the easiest way where you can make um, headway really fast is getting some type of like dashboard and monitoring that. And then, you know, playing around with your spend and, and dialing that in. Um, I think ad strategy, people who dial that in, they just crush it on Amazon. What were you, um, I, I think I was there, but I'm, I'm just, I was just like such in the days at Sell and Scale Summit that, that I don't remember anything that was going on. But I remember you uh, were talking with Dr. Travis. What was your main thing? I already, I mean, I forget what I'm doing yesterday, so I'm definitely not going to remember a couple of months ago. But what was your main thing you were talking about at, at Sell and Scale? Gosh, I think we talked about brand branding, you know what I mean? And getting like, I always talk about when someone creates a product, like, I don't like just having one hit wonders. I like to kind of go deep mm -hmm. and build like a brand around like a person that I'm serving. And if I, you know, create like supplements is a good example. Like it's like, are you serving like a, a fitness father figure or a woman who's a vegan or like developing products like around that person so that you can cross sell and upsell or have some kind of ascension model. That's um, kind of what I was talking about. Like think further than just your first product. I, I feel yeah. like, you know, it's a lot of these Amazon sellers are just picking and pulling like products that they think are going to do well. And I just feel like, yeah, okay. You may have some products that do well on Amazon, but are you building a brand that you can actually sell? It's a very different that I know there's different models. I don't like that model. I like to build a brand. Yeah. So I talked a lot about that and how to build a brand, something that you can sell, something that you can connect with the consumer and, and really, build a loyal raving fan and a community around. That's kind of my approach. So. What's a couple of tips on that? I mean, we can't go through your whole entire you know, speech, here, but what's a couple of the main points of, of how, you know, looking into 2023, um, how can I build a, a brand? Yeah. Okay. So it's like, first I always say like, who are you going to serve? Like, and it's okay if you found a cool product and you, you know, if you came at it from that angle, I don't care if somebody comes to me and says, this is the person I want to serve we start there. Or if they say, here's the product, then I'm like, okay, what would be the logical next product that you would launch for the person that's going to buy that first product? You can start either place. Right. But I just want you to be thinking about like, you know, if I'm going to start, I, I can use an example, like Matt's off-road recovery, you know, he does recoveries. He's rescuing people out in the sand dunes of, you know, Southern Utah. Um, obviously the perfect product for him was a recovery rope. It's a kinetic rope. And, you know, you can, he uses, every day in his, his job. And it was like, okay, well then what's the next logical product for his fan base? These are people that go out and like they do ATVs and they're like super insane about, you know, having a really great time. And it's like, okay, well most of them, you know, they want a recovery rope, but they're also using these big straps to like tie down their ATVs. So it was like, now we knew that was like going to be a second product. And then it was like, oh, you know what? An emergency like toolkit in their their car, their truck, you know, that they're pulling. And so we just have like this idea of where we're going with our next products. Like we're just doing a solar flashlight right now for him that, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be our next, the hybrid light. Um, we're also working on right now, like his work gloves, you know, I've got those that are going to launch. So it's always just be thinking of like this avatar that's like super into building their own, you know, they're, they're into building their own vehicles and like 
playing hard with like the toys that they build. And so I have a really great idea of every product that I want to launch next. And I'm already putting together a first aid kit because even when you're out ATVing, you know, and you split your head on the row bar, like you've got your cool, you know, first aid kit that's going to be in, in the ATV with you. So I just kind of tell people like to be thinking of that as they build out. And I could do that. I could jam with anyone. Like you tell me your brand. And I remember it wasn't too long ago and she may be listening to a client came to me and she had a bidet and she had this whole product line that there was a bidet. And then there was like this other product. I can't remember them all now, but they were all over the place. And I was like, Mm -hmm. who, like, you don't even have the benefit of cross selling. Like you don't really have a brand. Like, and then I was like, let's just pick one of your products. Like she had a bestseller badge. And I was like, go with that product now. And what would be the next logical product that you would sell someone that buys this bidet? You know, and then yeah. we were able to build out an action plan for her to build out a product line because that's the easiest. Like acquiring a customer is the hardest work you're ever going to do. The easiest thing is to sell them something else that they want and need. They already like and trust you and they know, like, and trust you. They bought one thing. Like let's ascend them and let's make them a brand loyal consumer, you know, and r- with the brands I work with now and, and I have some that I'm, you know, I have a ownership interest in and, and, and I don't want to talk about all of those right now, but that's my goal is like, let's take a core product, a hero or a flagship product, and then let's build out our next, you know, ascension level. Let's have our next complementary products. Okay. Interesting. Now, last time, I don't remember the details, but I remember you were talking about some of your strategies for reviews. Now, uh, w- w- would it be safe to say that it's a hundred percent the same now and end of 2022 as it was in 2021 when you said it, or do you have yeah. new things that you think you're, you're doing now in order to make sure that you get a lot of reviews? Yeah, I, I'm pretty like, um, I, I'm totally white hat. Like I never do anything that, mm-hmm. that would risk, you know, getting you in trouble unless people think that like having an insert is risky. I, I don't think an insert's risky. I don't ask for reviews in my insert, but my whole thesis is like, I start with an incredible product and an incredible customer experience. Like, and I'm talking about knock their socks off incredible because it takes a lot for someone to leave a review if they're not mad. Like, you know, everybody expects uh, a good experience when they're buying from you. So you have to go above and beyond. Like, so I like to have prizes inside. I always use the example of when I was a kid, I remember going to the grocery store and I would beg my mom for the cereal that had the prize inside. And it was usually the Mm -hmm. expensive one. And we always bought like the Kroger brand or like the Walmart brand or whatever. And they didn't have prizes inside. But I'm like, we can create that type of experience for every adult or child out there with the prize inside our product. It's something unexpected. And whether that's just like something clever, like, you know, Warby Parker, when you open it up and they, they, they have a free like cleaning cloth, you know, and I see you or something like that. That's just something they weren't expecting. That's fun. You can do it with your packaging. You can do it with a, a free gimme offer on the back. Or um, I'm trying to think like with one of the brands, we send an insert that gives them a, a free, like we always have a giveaway going on our website and that landing page is static, but we change out, you know, to make it fun. And it's a QR code and they go there and it's just something that like makes them be like, this brand's cool, you know? And we have cool ads and like, we're cool. And everybody wants to be a part of the cool club. So just create a community and build that. Love it. All right, going going back a little bit to uh, PPC, you know, like Mm -hmm. one thing that's crazy nowadays that everybody, you can complain about it, you could say what you want about it, but it is what it is. On the page one of Amazon searches, you know, it, there's just so much sponsored ads. You know, you got sponsored brand ads, you got the regular sponsored product ads, you got the the four stars and above, you know, section. You got editorial recommendations, and like after all that, maybe you got three organic, you know, placements. But but 
you know, like how and cost, you know, going up. So like how for your brands and, and your, your clients brands, what's your strategy with, with, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, you know, yeah. still, but you know, not at the expense of, of your profitability because it's definitely pay to play sometimes, uh, on Amazon, but you know, you can go too far if you want, if you're trying to get like dominate all those, all those, uh, places. And now all of a sudden you're not making money on Amazon anymore. Yeah. 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 No, agreed. Um, I've just watched my profit margins get slimmer and slimmer every year. And we, we always talk about the glory days, right? We got in this like in 2012, 2013 when it was awesome, but it's still awesome. We still make a lot of money, but my strategy has always been different than a lot of Amazon sellers. And, and it's, I'm building demand off Amazon. Um, I build brands. And so people come to Amazon looking for me already. It's mostly a defensive play at that point. And that's a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. It's a lot cheaper to defend your brand on Amazon and, you know, make yeah. sure you show up when someone comes looking for you than it is trying to, you know, be ranked. Let's be honest. There's not even an organic placement anymore. Like you have to pay to play. Right. And you're going to pay expensively for primary keywords that are competitive. And I like to go into competitive categories because there's, a lot of volume there, but I'd rather go at it as creating incredible ads on TikTok, Snap, um, Facebook, YouTube, and then everybody seeing me, Instagram, coming to Amazon and buying, and then they're doing, you know, branded search and here I am and I'm totally defending my brand. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, strategies, you know, let's say, Hey, I'm doing these strategies for, for PPC. I'm, um, I'm getting good review velocity. I'm, I'm, you know, bring, you know, I'm bringing in these reviews. I'm building my brand. I'm, I'm doing these things you're, you're talking about, but sellers nowadays are getting more and more sophisticated, you know, thanks to, you know, tools like tools like Helium 10, you know, obviously Helium 10 is not, is not powering every single top, you know, seller out there. There's people, you know, who may not have heard of Helium 10 and not using tools. You know, believe me, they, they do exist. You know, you'd be surprised. You think everybody's using Helium 10 these days, but, but you know, it, it takes, Competition, regardless of how you look at it, I'm not just talking about sellers from China or things like that, like American sellers, European sellers, everybody's getting better at what they're doing. So, you know, for 2023, I hate doing those. What's your prediction? You know, kind of things like, you know, who really knows? But it, I'm instead of it being your prediction, you know, like what is your strategy in 2023 to, to just make sure that you're you're staying ahead of the game? Um, you know, just overall, you know, like we talked about, you know, some of the main buckets here, but are there maybe micro strategies or something new that, you know, we haven't heard about that you're planning to do? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's a really good question. I do want to talk about why I think everything's competitive and, and harder and everyone, it, it gets more difficult. It's because there's so much awesome information out there for free now. You know what I mean? It's like, I even watched, like I used to play, I still play basketball, but I look at the kids that are, when I was playing in high school, they're so much better. And I'm like, it's because like they can get on YouTube and watch how to these drills that we never even knew about doing, like to increase speed and agility. And you know what I'm saying? Like same thing, like think of how much good content Helium 10 puts out to teach sellers how to crush it on Amazon. Like this podcast, the fact that this is free, you know what I mean? Like I usually will charge a thousand dollars an hour to tell people how to increase, you know, their Amazon sales. And like people are getting this for free. That's why it is so competitive. It's not just in this space. It is in every space. 
that, that, that the information is so readily available and people can access it. And if they implement, they're going to crush it. So what am I going to do in 2023? Well, always the fundamentals, right? We got to have the great listings. We got to be having, you know, great customer service. So like you have to always do the fundamentals. And I think it's when people stop doing the fundamentals that their game stops to slip. Yeah. And that's in sports, that's in business, that's in life. Okay. So strong fundamentals. But I think what I've been saying is that whole brand, like I, we really, where we're getting the most traction is building community. People want to belong. And that's what the internet has done. It has created this like ability for people to niche down and create like rabid groups of small people. And you can actually support a business. I mean, if you haven't read the book, a thousand true fans, like literally that is all you need to make six figures is a thousand true fans. And so we can have fragmented little companies that are doing great business instead of like this big generic, like, you know, Procter and Gamble and Tide, like people are going to gravitate to like, I don't know if you've Seth Godin always says people like us do things like this, or, you know what I mean? Like they want to be with their peeps. And so I always yeah. say there's riches in the niches and you know, you'll, you'll get gobbled up. And I watched it happen. I was at this big corporate place. These aggregators come in, they buy up brands and you know what happens? They kill them. They kill them mm. because they lose the intimacy that the founder had, that mm. had the passion, that connected and created community with the people. And so then yeah. when these get rolled up into these big brands, they lose that. And then what happens is some new guy comes in or gal and creates her brand and her passion or his sure. brand. And then you have this resurgence, this community, and it gets really strong. And then these big companies go, I want to buy that brand. They buy it. They bring it into this big corporate behemoth and they crush the spirit that originally led birth to this beautiful thing. And that's, You'd be a good story narrator. Your like, your passion is, is going. I love it. That's, that's but, but I, I I totally agree with you. You know th this is, you know, th there's a balance that sellers need to strike because you know I I tell people hey follow the data and stuff and and you know use analytics and things and and that's true. You know you shouldn't just blindly go in and hey, cross my fingers hope I have success. But at the same time, there's the danger that you get so engrossed in the analytics and the algorithm and how things work that you forget you're selling to a human being. Yeah. And then, like you said, it, it, this is something that's not, that doesn't come out on paper or analytics is even though you might not be passionate about something you're getting into, I mean, it's great. It's perfect. If, if you can actually, if the, the opportunity on Amazon just happens to be in something that you're very knowledgeable and passionate about, I mean, that's amazing. That's a Holy grail, but, but that doesn't always happen. You know, like I could care less about coffin shelves or, or egg trays that, that we started yeah. selling, but you better believe that I became passionate about it. And I was like, hey, this is I got to get motivated because if, if if you're just in this cycle where the whole Amazon process is, is, is just, you know, some cog in a system and it's on autopilot, you're not going to innovate. You know, you're not, you know, the, the people who are passionate about what they're selling in your niche and. I trust me, guys, I guarantee whatever niche on Amazon there is, there's at least a few sellers who this is their livelihood and this is what they're passionate about. They're going to beat you every single time, um, even though we're talking about David versus Goliath, you know, like the big guys. Go, go ahead and continue with what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. No, this is right, 100% because I was like, you know, when you launch the coffin shelves, like that, there is a person that decorates with coffins outside yep. of Halloween. You know what I mean? And yep. that yep. person, yep. like, what is that next thing that, that person who buys that coffin shelf would all absolutely 100% buy. And that's what I'm telling sellers. Like, think of that. Don't go chase into your, you know, helium 10 tool and find some other thing that's selling where that it's going to be totally disparate and you can't link it together. Like go take the coffin idea. Think of your avatar, use the helium 10 tools to like verify that there is demand, but I wouldn't even care if there was no demand. 
I, I know that somebody already bought that coffin shelf and there's a person, an avatar that loves this coffin shelf and this thing will be sold to that person. And I'm building that brand and awareness around that. I mean, right now, like, uh, yeah. if you think about innovative products that take off, like the glean that they invented this thing that like removes hair, it's like almost like a kind of like a pumice stone. It's kind of, I think it's called gleam. Mm-hmm. They're all over Instagram and TikTok, like blew up. Right. And now there's a category on Amazon that's blowing up for like these hair, hair, removers that are like kind of stones and it's like okay mm. yeah you know a lot of the beauty brands are entering that space and they'll do well because bleem came in and created this surge just like glamnetic we did that with our magnetic lashes we created this category right and so yeah. it's like you need to be thinking of that next thing and if you are always just jumping on a bandwagon i'm sorry you're not gonna blow you're not gonna enjoy the blow up of that like the person who invented it. And then we're off to something else thinking of what's going to be that next big thing. And that's what excites me. And that's why, you know, the tools are awesome. They do help us, but also the the ingenuity in the head of somebody who says like, this can be a thing. I will make this for this person. There doesn't always, there's not always going to be data there. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, just, absolutely. Go, go make it. Now, you know, you've been talking about different strategies. So I wanted to do like we did last time, we, you gave us a 30 second tip. It was probably like a minute or two, which is totally fine. But it was about a tribal, you were talking about tribal marketing. Um, you know, it's from a, from a, a book. a book and I'm just looking here at my notes. Um, it's like this prim- what primal that was. branding, primal branding, really good book. Primal branding. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Primal branding, uh, about a book. And so that, that was interesting. You know what you talked about there, but what, you know, now we're, we're it's nice time of the year coming up to the end of this year. What would be your your 30-second, one-minute, two-minute tip for Amazon sellers out there um, that you haven't mentioned already today? Gosh, yeah. Gee, what haven't I mentioned? Um, I I just literally did a consult with someone that did not have an Ascension model or an insert. And I was just like, wow. Like, you're you're literally telling me that you have gone to the effort of creating a listing on Amazon, establishing, like, your hot dog stand and, and selling stuff, and you have nothing else to give this person to like ensure that they come back and buy from you. Like you're mailing out your package or sending it to FBA and that's it. Like you're going to pay again to acquire them or you, you have no like model to drive them to your Shopify store. I, I, it just blew my mind that, that there was still someone in the universe that didn't have the forward thinking of what the next step was for this customer's journey. And so, you know, I, there's probably people listening to this podcast. I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm trying to be like, guys, literally, like this is your lowest hanging fruit. Like, what are you doing? What is the path that you're laying out for the next step of the customer that you just acquired? What's the next step? Because you got to tell them what to I do. It. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, Janelle, it's, you know, from canceled going public over overnight to $150,000 Kickstarters to all, I mean, all this strategy you do, it's, you're always a wealth of experience and information. So it's uh it's great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm sure people might have other questions or might want to reach out to you. So how can they find you on the interwebs these days? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm at Janelle page 11 on Instagram. Oh, you know what? The easiest place is just go to my website, Janelle at, you know, it's JanellePage.com. If you email me, it's Janelle at Janelle page. Um, but I do want you to know, I have done since the Kickstarter launch, I just did a mm-hmm. Shopify straight up launch because I said I didn't want oh, to do really? Kickstarter again. I was going to do Kickstarter with this launch and after the fiasco of fulfillment and my goal, you know, I wanted to do half a million dollar launch to see if, you know, I'm graduating. Okay. Oh, we did half a million dollars in, in a weekend. Oh, well, hold on. Hold on. I, I didn't even know about this. That's why I didn't ask you about it. So yeah. You, you guys got the 30 second tip early in this episode. We're, let's take a couple steps back. Yeah. So 
Instead of a Kickstarter launch, you did a Shopify launch. Did you do that pre-sale thing you were, yeah, you were talking I, about? I, I did the pre-sale. If you go to mattstraps.com, it was Matt Top Road Recovery. It's the ATV straps I was telling you about. I, when I was on Kevin King, I couldn't tell what it was yet because I was keeping it on the DL, mm -hmm. DL. But we did that launch and we did half a million dollars. It was awesome. So like, that's why I can even now say, you know, the Kickstarter, I'm just like, Psh. Like Shopify was incredible. Like we just drew, drove the traffic there. We had our sales page. I think it's still up, you know, mattstraps.com. We used that for the landing page. Crushed it. You can go see the video. How, how much um, my funnel. spend was that? Huh? How much spend uh, oh. to get that, that amount of sales? Okay, so here's what I did. Gosh, now I'm giving all, all my secrets away. Like I wanted, <laughs> my goal before the launch, I think I told Kevin this, I was like, I want to double my list size. And I think I had like... Um, I had 40,000 people on my email list. And I was like, my goal was to get to 90,000. Actually, it was 80,000. I got to 90,000. I was like, I want to double my email list. I'm really, really, I don't want to say I'm really, really good. That sounds cocky. But I was like, I've gotten really, really good at- Hey, you, you can be cocky with, with your accomplishments. Feel free. Go ahead. Well, I was like, I, I've, I've gotten really, really good at growing email lists through like giveaways and viral sweeps or, you know, Gleam or whatever. I just do, um, I just kind of love to creatively think of like how to get people to share my giveaway so I can grow the list and, and grow the list with qualified customers that I know are going to buy what I'm about to launch. So I think obviously doubling that list led to the huge launch because I literally just sent out the email email with the notice and I make really good videos. So you go watch the video I scripted and I got the team to make the video. I did the scripting for the fast detailer. I think having a, a incredible video helps because then you can push that video out, not only on just on YouTube, but you send it to your email list. You can rank it on Google. You can do lots of great things with video. You know, video marketing is kind of something I'm super passionate yeah. about as well. So we drove a ton of traffic to the website. We did a live stream. Um, just keeping people excited about the, the launch. And if you go watch the video, I mean, after you watch that video, you're like, I got to have these, you know, Matt did a great job, um, executing on what I told him to do. So it was really exciting. So I think if everyone here goes and just check out the landing pages for fast detailer and Matt straps, I've got another launch that we're doing on December 8th with a, a YouTuber we're launching. I'm, I'm really excited about this brand. We've been working on it for almost eight months. It's a very high-end gaming brand for professional gamers, but it's kind of going to be like the Michael Jordan, the, the Air Jordans of basketball shoes. Like think about this for like gamers, like mouse pots, mm. mouse mice, headsets. Like it's, it's going to like go head to toe and crush like razor. It's going to be, if you're a gamer, you're going to love it. So um, I don't even want to leak the name, but I'll come back on and, and tell you after okay. it launches so you can see that landing page, but that's going live on December 8th and I'll let you know how that one goes. So, so then what is, what is that option to, uh, to choose that you were mentioning about like how to be able to do like pre-buys on Shopify? Is that like a special thing or and that's just automatic? Now it's just allowed. Okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can pre-sell on, on Shopify, which was huge because when we did the Matt's off-road recovery, the first product we launched the recovery rope, we did it on Shopify and, and got the like shut down because we didn't ship in time. Like we didn't know that you had, that's, that's why I'm like, okay, we'll do our next one on Kickstarter because then we can pre-sell it. Um, but yeah, since then in that just ensuing eight months from then Shopify, uh, allows for pre-sales now. So it's, it's been huge. It's been awesome. Wow. Wow. All right. Um, there you have it guys. There's another way to, uh, to uh, launch. And then how I'm just out of curiosity. How in the world did you fulfill five hundred thousand dollars worth of orders? Was that do you have a three yeah. PL or yeah, you have yeah. your own I warehouse or three PL? In fact, I just um, bought into the one I've been using for years. I've sent all my business there, all my clients, and I actually put in some money to 
buying some ownership now. So I do want to, now when I tell people like my three PL is momentum shipping, I own uh, like 25% of that company now. And, uh, but before I literally just used them for my companies, all my clients, but mm-hmm. in full disclosure, now I do have an interest in that company. We've just expanded to Tennessee. We have a warehouse here in Salt Lake and we also have one in Tennessee and they're phenomenal. Like they do all my fulfillment, all my brands. Um, and you know, if you are looking for a good 3PL, I, I, I don't know how, you know, we, we don't work with everybody, but you, you could check them out. I, I don't do the sales process there, but I'll take good care of you if you ping me and you need someone good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, you overwhelmed us with all your cool stories and, you know, stuff that nobody else is doing, you know, big six figure launches on Shopify and Kickstarter and all this stuff. So it's great to have you here and look forward uh, to seeing how your 2023 goes. And we'll definitely bring you back at the end of next year. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Good chatting with you, Bradley. Be safe.